Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of MA Architects Make It Innovative, featuring deep dive discussions on the world of innovation as it relates to the built environment. I am Mark Bryan, the Director of Innovation and Research for MA Architects, a certified futurist, master trend forecaster, and designer. And before we go a little bit further, I think we should announce a couple things, Sam. What do you think? Sure, I'm always good for uh, a good announcement. Well, I don't know if you all noticed it. You probably didn't because we like to publish our podcasts on a nice regular routine. But on the back end, we had to take a little bit of a break. And there's one big thing, Sam, I'd like you to share that happened during that break. Well, not only did I have a physical baby, our baby, this podcast, also had a pretty exciting moment. It did. So SMPS is the Society for Marketing Professional Services, which is a diverse community of marketing and business development professionals who work together to move the architectural, engineering, and construction industries forward. So yeah, so we actually got a national award for excellence for our social media podcast, which is truly an honor, right? Because at the end of the day, what we're trying to do is have conversations that are going to stimulate thought, that are really going to push the boundaries of innovation. Um, and so I know we were just thrilled to be even uh, in the category and just completely honored to be able to be awarded that. I think it was fun too to really get a chance to kind of sit back and look at what we were being recognized for. And we so appreciate everyone that's listened to these episodes and made this podcast as successful as, as it has been. And it's fun to think that we have people on every continent listening in, which is so wild. And, you know, with guests from Lisa Ingram, who's the CEO of White Castle, to people like Dr. Ken Yeager, who is the lead neuroscience researcher at Ohio State and my idol in life. And, you know, everyone in between, we've just had so many amazing, incredible people that are having conversations about creating space for change and driving these ideas for innovation that are really going to shape our future starting today. And it's just been such an honor and we're so humbled. And it's all thanks to you guys that continue to listen. And no different than every other episode we've delivered, we hope that today's episode is one that is so worthy of listening to. We have two really brilliant experts here that are changing the design world and beyond. And I cannot wait for this incredible conversation with these brilliant minds. Yes. Well, so on deck for today, we're going to be talking about Neocon, which is one of the world's preeminent trade shows that always points to what's coming next for space, design, and of course, my favorite, trends. You love trends? Never. Very on brand. Before we get too far ahead, I am Sam Muller, the Director of Strategic Communications for MA and a guru on all things behavioral psychology, change communications, and mental health. I'm excited for today's conversation, particularly because we are getting a fresh take on what Neocon 2021 had to show us from our two very own incredible designers, Catherine Hunter and Abby Hunter. No actual biological relation, but we are related in the sense that we are here to enrich lives through innovative design. These two designers represent the next generation of designers at MA, really, really making me proud of what Gen Z can do and has already done and what the future holds. I've never felt more confident. They are bringing their own insights to the spaces and stories we are creating for our clients. So I'm going to start by introducing Abby, who is just incredible. I can't say enough about her, so I'm going to try to keep it short. She's our newest interior designer from our Cincinnati office, an expert envisioning her exposure and experience to design in major metro hubs throughout the country has cultivated her to look bigger and design broader, sourcing ideas and inspiration internationally. Abby is energized by the chance to explore ideas and find realistic ways to make them a reality expanding beyond her clients' expectations and delivering a differentiated design. She learns from her clients, listens, and then leads the design process, moving from creative to concept to construction without missing the mark time and time again. 
Honest, real, and positive, it is her global perspective and individualized attention that makes Abby a requested resource for clients' design needs with a fresh take and a fantastic outcome. Welcome on, Abby. Thank you for that glowing review. <laughs> of course. You earned every <laughs> single word of it. And I get to introduce Catherine. Catherine is a rising design star here at MA, already having been nationally recognized through design awards from the IIDA and The Ohio State University for her creative projects. Focused on inclusive design, Catherine thrives on weaving the details of a project into a collective design that creates a powerful outcome. Her research-driven mind is launched by the discovery process, taking advantage of the opportunity to understand her clients in a meaningful way. Catherine uses her experience and fresh mind to create intentional design decisions that set projects up for success. Considering every decision carefully while moving quickly, Catherine's energy drives the progress of projects for her clients, ending in the most successful final outcome. Welcome, Catherine. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. So welcome onto the show, Abby and Catherine. They are two representatives of our Gen Z population here at the workforce. I think what's interesting is everyone thinks millennials are the young people in the workforce. We're washed up at this point, and we are owning homes and starting families. So these are the fresh minds that are changing the way things are done. So Gen Z, just for reference, is anyone currently between the ages of 6 and 24, although depending on where you check, it expands. So what's really important to understand about these generations is the values they hold. Um, I often refer to them as generation now because they are the generation who expect change. They are the generation who feel like they have to pick up the world that was left behind by some of the older generations that may have been mistreated by the way that they've treated the climate or just all of our industries in general. And they are trying to figure out a way to to make it better. You know, they are the ones who are out there protesting. It's so funny to think about how protesting has evolved from an adult, you know, like maybe in their 40s or maybe even in their 30s as something that they would do to now even down to our youngest generations. Like we're seeing um, a lot of our Gen X parents um, and millennial parents bringing their generation alpha children to be protesting too. So this is just the generation, in my opinion, that's going to change our world and set it on fire in the good way. I love that. As a new mother, that really gives me a lot of hope. You know, a lot of people, it's a scary time, but I think that the best is yet to come. And it's people like Abby and Catherine that will be driving a lot of that change. I think it's cool to take all of this in mind that this is the perspective of Gen Z and maybe hear some ideas and remember to be curious and not critical and just stay open-minded throughout this conversation. But before we get way too ahead of ourselves and start talking about trends and how spaces are changing and the future of space, I would love to share some personal insight with our listeners. Does that sound good? Yes. Ooh, cautious. <laughs> yes. yes. These people are clever. They don't just say yes immediately. Let's do this. Abby, you first, okay? Okay. What are you most excited about these days? Just living life. Like, coming out of the pandemic times, like, I have had a chance to really, like, evaluate. I feel like I've just, like, been pushing to the grind for years um, with, like, you have to, like, shake that 20-year school mindset out and like living in real life and like giving the chance to slow down so I am so excited to just be taking every day and like living my goal this year was to just be I love the phrase of human being not human doing wow I love that yeah so what have you learned from slowing down so many things um I'm getting to live out one of my dreams right now which is being on a podcast I'm super pumped um I have learned that like you really got to like keep it simple. You don't need to stress about so many things. And like, it really does like you'll miss life if you're just running around and not focusing on it. 
I think that's such a great perspective. So in that same vein, what is the best way to decompress? Mm, Take a walk. That is something I have made a huge effort to walk more, which was um, kind of like the only outlet you could do when we were all at home last year. But keeping it up, I actually haven't even worn my Fitbit this year, and I think I've probably walked more because I'm not, like, having to mentally, like, tie walking with productivity, but I'm walking because it's, like, a comfort, a release, embracing nature anytime I can get outdoorsy. That's wonderful. Last question. What is the skill still unmastered? Patience. Ooh. Yeah. Interesting. I have a new puppy, and that's teaching me very quickly that I have very little patience. How funny. Someone once told me, be careful what you pray for, because if you pray for patience, you'll get plenty of opportunities to develop it. Yes. So it sounds like. Oh, that is awesome. Well, those are three really, really great answers and I think give a lot of insight about you as a human. So I appreciate you sharing that. Catherine, you ready? Yep, I'm ready. Okay. (laughs) What are you most excited about these days? Um, I think I'm most excited about just having me time. Um, I think the pandemic really and being in quarantine really taught me that I need to start putting myself up like before others and focusing on how I'm feeling mentally, physically and everything. So I actually have started waking up at like 5 a.m. and just kind of having like a cup of coffee on the couch by myself, like before everyone else wakes up and just taking a little bit of time just to reflect like what I need to do today, what I need to get done. Um, and really just like kind of checking in with myself, um, and making sure that I'm feeling okay mentally and physically, you know, before I start my day at the office. Um, so yeah, I, I've been really making it a priority to focus on me and do things for myself. I love that. Sam always loves a good setting of intentions. Absolutely. I mean, it's the best thing to do for yourself. Yep. Absolutely. And it really does drive your day. I think Mm -hmm. if you can take that time when you have clarity, especially in the morning is when, you know, the ego is the least because the day hasn't had a chance to impact you or start to filter how you're seeing things. And so when your mind is so fresh, if you set your intentions at that point, I think it's brilliant what you're doing. Um, Best way to decompress. I would have to agree with Abby taking walks. Um, that was something during quarantine that my boyfriend and I we were like, what do you want to do? Let's just go for a walk. And we would end up walking like eight miles and we would like explore the neighborhoods and look at different houses. And that's still something that we do. We wake up every Saturday morning and take our dog on like a six mile walk because that's just, it's a way for us to spend time with each other, but then also spend time outdoors. Cause I think especially before quarantine, like Abby was saying, we were very much like heads down. I mean, I was in college, so that's like, I was heads down. I have to get all A's, like everything. And then being in quarantine gave me that opportunity to like step back and look at everything and realize that it is important to get outside. So I decompress by taking walks all the time. Love that. Last question. What is the skill still unmastered? Ooh. I was going to go with like a funny one, but I went with a serious one. (laughs) So I will also go with a serious one um, saying no. Um, And that is something that I have been talking with my mentors about recently. I'm in um, MA has a mentorship program. So I've been talking to my mentors about like how I can like say no and that it's okay to say no. And I said no for like the first time last week. And it was very much like, I hope they're not mad at me. Like, 
Um, but I think just me continuing to work on like saying no um, when my plate is too full um, is something that I still need to work on. I am just so wowed by you guys. I wish I were either of you at your ages. You are so far <laughs> advanced. I'm like, wow, I don't know that I'm where either of you are yet. And I have some years on me in comparison, but it's really impressive. I mean, to be able to, you know, at your age, set healthy boundaries in a professional setting and not feel like as the new kids on the block, you have to say yes to everything and you have to take yourself beyond your bandwidth past capacity, you know, because it's not good for anybody if you're burnt out and you always have to put your oxygen mask on first, I feel like, to be your best self. And so for both of you to recognize that, and it's no wonder you're work you deliver is as incredible as it is because you're coming from such a healthy balanced place so just in wow all of both of you I'm shocked we're not related because I, I think we have a lot in common so I am very excited I to mean, like really get to know you we more. could go on ancestry.com I'm yeah. sure there's a there's a hunter that's related yeah because I'm pretty there. sure like I should just take in your answers they were uh, that was the 5 a.m mornings I used to get up at 4 30 every day for like years and pandemic kind of crushed that so I've been working really hard to like get back to it so if I get up yeah. at 5 30 it's like a huge success because the mornings are so quiet yeah well I mean what I love about it is just hearing your perspectives and I'm excited to hear what you saw at Neocon today um, because our industry I think is changing we are evolving just as everything else is evolving right now um, I really love that you are saying no because I think it's indoctrinated in us starting in school that we have to work these many long hours. We have to be the best. We have to always strive to do more than we can. You know, usually it's in our studios first is where it happens. Well, actually, where it first happens is when you are trying to get into a design school. Usually there's a very competitive process to get in there. And so that has some positives, but a lot of negatives that set our careers up for those challenges going forward in the future. So I'm just excited to hear everybody's ideas on how they can say no and set themselves up to be more calm and be more mindful too. Totally agree. Before we get too knee deep, I am the only person in this room that is not an interior designer. So a lot of people who are listening might not know what Neocon is. Besides it being an annual, typically annual conference in Chicago, can you guys give us just a super simple idea of what that conference is? Yes, so it's like when all like the common and top and new budding manufacturers come together. It's furniture, flooring, textiles, technology, inventions, things that could be like a monitor arm. It could be an adaptability product. It could be carpet. Everybody comes together and shows off their new products. It's a giant trade show showroom with talent and speakers and fun things. Incredible. And what does it look like in the actual conference is it all over the place is it how many people are we talking so it's it's usually held in chicago in the merchandise mart and there's thousands of people usually there's thousands of people it's wall-to-wall people where you're trying to walk on the corridor there's uh three to floor three to four floors of different products and showrooms um so one floor is just all these different booths and there's literally hundreds of booths that sit there and um i know usually for me when i go it, it means that I'm taking probably 13 flights of stairs up because the elevators are so jam-packed that when you're trying to get in there, you'd sit there and wait for 30 minutes just to try to get an elevator up. So I usually wear very comfortable shoes when I go to Neocon, and I plan to lose weight while I'm there too. 
win-win. Yeah, it's a mistake to not wear comfortable shoes. Um, and you also have to plan your day because it's it's a block. The Merchandise Mart building is a whole block of Chicago, and it's many stories tall. So you have to target, like, what you're going to hit that day. It's kind of like planning a trip to Disney. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Especially when you're doing it for work, too, because I try to, like, figure out, okay, who would want to see this? You try to capture as much as you can and then just come back and process it. Now so we're processing it with you. I was going to say, going into it, when you guys were planning your trip to this interior design Disney World, what were your drivers or what were the things that you were like, I cannot leave until I see this, this, and this? I think for me, it was really, as being a new designer, it was really companies that I already had relationships with. So like Interface and Shaw, like our reps here, making sure that I go and see their product because since we have such a good relationship, that is something that I've been specifying more. Um, since it was my first time, my I didn't really have like a plan of when I was like planning out my whole schedule, but seeing like the bigger names like Noel and Herman Miller and things like that is kind of how I scheduled out my time. I've been, this was my fourth or fifth time to Neocon, but my last time had been in 2016 when I was a senior in college. So for me, I kind of took a similar approach. I've seen all the big showrooms at least once, um, but now I have a network and connections. And so a lot of like our good reps like reached out to us and asked like if we were attending, especially because we were expecting a smaller number of people, which there was. And so it was very interesting. A lot of the people there that I saw were from Cincinnati, or Columbus, and they all, like, it's like all of Ohio went to Chicago to hang out. But I targeted um, furniture showrooms, especially because I have a few clients that are trying to decide on, like, aesthetic. And moving into multifamily is a new design sector for me when I've done workplace for years. So I really try to seek out those types of showrooms just to see what's on the up and up that's not that I, the products that I don't normally know. And then I go to my favorite ones just to see all the cool stuff. Well, one of the, my favorite things about Neocon is usually there's some kind of overlapping theme, overarching, just like thread of connection that happens in the showrooms. And it's not planned. It's usually there. One year I went and there were just bolts of threads everywhere. Like all mm. the showrooms somehow like were deconstructing materials in a way that showed what the true essence of the product was. So I'm curious from both of your perspectives, did you see anything like that overarching theme? I know they talked about um, on the website, they were saying right now they're talking about designing a new purpose, a future output framework, just like the new, our most hated one, the new normal. (laughs) Nothing is ever normal, right? It's always evolving. (laughs) Exactly. The new evolution. So what did you all see that might have been one of those common overlapping themes? Color palette was very similar, very consistent across the board. Yes, I would agree. I think every single showroom I went into had some sort of combination of green and pink. Yeah. Interesting. And it was darker, Mm -hmm. more jewel tone than it was a few years ago, which I tend to call like the classic designer pastels, you know, like the real pinky pinks and um, the light mints that has now evolved into like darker, moodier greens and almost like on the edge of uh, terracotta and reds and rust um, kind of more earthy interesting from a color psychology perspective what do you guys think is driving that what why those colors why now I think it's outdoorsy I think a lot of people got outdoors last year if you look at the like numbers campsites and everything's were booked you couldn't find anything to do because 
outdoors was considered safe or safer and that's where people went and people were with their families and so I think it's a lot of like nature inspiration in the colors and it's very calming and soothing so it's this like muted neutrals on neutrals layered neutrals versus um electric pops of like blue and green that have dominated the furniture and trends for years that's so interesting the word that sticks out to me of course is safe Mm -hmm. i think that's so interesting that psychologically it's drawing that feeling of safety which is what we all need now more than ever because we've come from this time of instability where nothing felt like anything was guaranteed or we had no idea what was going to come next so anything we can do to emulate a feeling of safety even if it is in the color selection of a space i think is so interesting that you're seeing those trends show up so quickly in response and almost naturally in response to human psychology and that need that we have innately. When when you were talking, what first came to my mind was um, just growth and groundedness, right? Where you think about, obviously green is a growth color, but then you're talking about like the terracottas and some of the other kind of neutrals that just feel like it's trying to weight you back down after being in this place of this desynchronized way of living. We're now trying to just weight people back into how they live again, you know, and how they come back together again too. I'm curious, were there any powerful stories? Because sometimes when they release a new product in the showrooms, there's like a story that goes along with it. Anything that just jumped out at you as something that was new and innovative? Something that happened at Neocon that I was noticing as I was going to showroom to showroom is that they were really focusing on being sustainable and telling that story of how their products are sustainable. one product that I cannot wait for it to actually be released and us for it to be able to spec is a carpet that has 61 plastic bottles per square foot in the carpet tile. Um, I think they did a really good job at explaining that story and having the visual right next to the actual carpet sample of a box of 61 bottles to show you the impact that one carpet tile really is making um and I think that was that theme kind of went along with other showrooms as well there was a lot about water and the impact that climate change and pollution is having on our waterways and our oceans and how vital those you know the bodies of water are to us and the importance of cleaning them taking care of them because they're what keep us alive and they're what keep us being able to like still design and everything. Why did those stories matter so much to you? I, I think I'm going to pull the Gen Z card. I think it's because that's the generation that I am and we're growing like I'm me. I'm and Abby. We're growing up in this time where we're young, but our earth is dying. So it kind of, I would hate to say this, but it kind of doesn't give me a lot of hope for the future and what is coming because it's scary. Um, So I think whenever I see a product that's like, this cleans the water or this, you know, cleans air or something, I get excited and a little bit more hope comes back into me. Interesting. Because I can see that there are actually physical products that are working to make our futures better. So it just gives me hope when I see stuff like that. And that's what really draws me to it. That's really cool. Abby, do you have any response to how it makes you feel or why those stories matter to you? 
Yeah, I think it's fascinating hearing her perspective because I'm on the cusp of Gen Z and I do care about sustainability, but it's very different the way that even people a few years younger are approaching it. Like I'm learning so much by their like fiery passion. My story that I saw was the HBF showroom and I went on a deep dive. They completely overhauled it. There's a company out of Portland who did it. They had a whole story. They had four months to do the showroom design and it was all about like, creating a place of home and casual places to sit and like I didn't think that all the furniture was quite theirs and apparently in the very back there was a little I looked on the floor plan and it said furniture display I don't think I even went to that corner so I left their showroom with a huge impact and I didn't pay attention to their specific product and I think that speaks like a ton because being on the cusp I'm constantly fighting the like charged way of living that like oh the millennial path you have to do it this way in this order and all the things and so what I love and I'm learning from like Gen Z and like life is how to like slow down and break out and do your own path and do your own thing and that showroom was very different than any other showroom at the Mart because it was completely curated completely monochromatic like immersive it was completely immersive design you walked in you're like oh wow I'm in a completely different place and everybody there was just sitting relaxing taking a break to let their feet rest and you read the brief on why they designed it and that was why to give people that place of like community and pause and it sounds successful it was extremely successful I mean everybody was talking about it it was I took so many pictures like it was wonderful so the space was able to elicit the emotion that was intended through really, really clever, intentional interior design. I am, I'm so inspired listening to both of you because it sounds like I would never have thought hope would come from an interior design product from a carpet, you know, that you, you could have hope from choosing a carpet square. But it also sounds like having these choices that are sustainably driven or have these stories behind them make what you guys do matter so much more and are also actionable ways that we are creating a better future together. You know, it's not just picking a carpet, slapping some color on the wall, but it's actually things that are eliciting emotion and driving human behavior and creating feelings of safety for people you know it's a really big thing and it matters so much more than decorating a space you know it's really rooted in storytelling and human-centric design and it's just so powerful how much the space influences that because I'm sure you've also were in spaces that might have felt overstimulating and maybe anxiety inducing then you know and it's wild from a mental health perspective everyone's so fixated on mental health there are so many things that you digest visually that really can overstimulate you or you know on the contrary can really bring you back down I love that you said grounded I think that's another really beautiful word that a space can definitely do when done successfully I know we're taught like in design the best design stands alone and doesn't have a plaque of words next to it or a lengthy description and a lot of showrooms spend a lot of energy creating palettes it's like a little vignette but it's still surrounded by white walls And so it's like, here's this corner of what it could be. And it feels like you're shopping. But that showroom felt like, oh, this is a cool detail that I want to do. Like, this is a completely designed space. Um, It's just unique. Well, and that's part of Neocon is just providing that inspiration. I think the first year that I went, I took 
600 photos <laughs> because I love it for the exposure. You know, what you all are talking about, exposure to product, exposure to idea, exposure to other people, because, you know, we're usually kept within our own filter bubble, our own little bias bubble of all the things we can see. You know, Instagram curates what we see, even though we may have our inspirations, you know, um, that we follow on Instagram. Sometimes we get trapped in that bubble. And so it's just great to go and see Neocon because you can just step outside and get that inspiration. And then you can take those trends back and you can then implement them um, to make them relevant to your clients. So in years past, we've seen, you know, the rise of Resumercial, a focus on well-being and biophilia and hyper-personalization. You know, we've talked about sustainability. You know, Catherine, what were some of the other top trends that you saw that you're going to take back and think about how we can use that for design going forward? Um, I think... As I was going through a lot of the showrooms, I picked up on this like awareness for multiple things, really. We talked about sustainability, so there was awareness for sustainability. Awareness for mental health, I think that is really being implemented into a lot of the furniture that was um, showed. There was a lot of like plush, resumercial, but it was almost like resumercial but a little bit even more residential hmm. because I was looking at a lot of these like sofas and armchairs that were being displayed to go in people's like offices. And I was like, I would put this in my home. Like it's comfortable enough to be put in um, my house. And I think that's definitely the awareness of mental health, like having these comfortable furni furniture that, makes you feel safe it makes you feel like you're in an area that you can either choose this really nice comfortable couch and work on it or you can go sit other places and I think there was a lot of trends and Abby if you want to butt in at any time you totally can but also for like personalization and that is something that I actually like really looked at because I've done research about my generation because I'm really fascinated in it and we are known as like we like to be a part of the design process. Like we like to be able, like we're hands-on. We want to be a part of like personalizing our areas and everything. And there was a lot of like workstations and um, desking systems that were easily like movable and you could turn them if you didn't want anybody to, I don't know, talk to you that day. Or if you wanted to collaborate, you could turn them the other way and bring your two desks together. So I think that personalization um, was something that I saw throughout all of the showrooms. Yeah, because you can't wear earbuds anymore and that be your symbol of I need alone time because we're on Zoom, Teams, Google Meet all day. Or you would like step into these little rooms. I was just thinking of so many things while you were talking. It's very exciting um the trends i saw was also like there was a lot of playfulness like i would say the opposite of stark there was not a lot of stark harsh design and you're right there was a lot of plush everything was very residential because i think it's like you're getting ready to go back people are still getting ready to go back we're designers so we've been back in the office we're still we're all, we're expected to know what's happening next and design for that but I have a lot of friends who are still kind of getting adjusted to what the work workplace is going to be. So you keep using this term, like going back to the workplace. So I graduated in May, so I was never 
in the workplace. And I think for people who even graduated last May, um, we didn't really know what going back was. So I think this trend of this more residential-based furniture in the workplace is almost making people who are going into the workplace for the first time more comfortable going to the workplace instead of like, I don't know, like maybe 10 years ago when you graduate and you're going into the workplace and you're sitting in a cubicle. Like that's kind of, it's not inviting and it's a little scary. And I think now because of COVID and quarantine and us taking this past year and a half to really slow down and look at the way we work, I think it's really helping the people who are graduating feeling more comfortable going into the workplace because it's not as stark. It's more colorful. It's more plush. It's more comfortable in everything. I'm so glad you spoke up. I didn't even, it didn't even occur to me that like you have never gone to the workplace pre-pandemic because it's like huge like recruitment right now because everybody how can you entice the talent to come back and I think it is it's it's working and that's good to know so well I think what I love hearing about is we've been talking about work-life balance a lot and we were talking about privacy and safety a lot and what it sounds like is just this uh, this residential is the really the extension. It's the connection point where, you know, you talk about being comfortable going in, you know, because you're familiar with it. It's something that you know. Your living room is what you know, and that's why people are more comfortable with that. What's also interesting to me, and I think you mentioned it a little bit beforehand, is that um, before Neocon was all about industrial, and I don't hear you all talking about industrial at all. So it sounds like resumercial is truly where the future is going. What would you, how do you, Yes, I was there in 2016 and everything was open for plan benching, exposed ceilings, everything was layers and layers of gray, um, like more techie based because everybody was trying to be um, Silicon Valley offices. And now that's changed a lot. And I, we've been seeing warmth being brought back in. And that's what I saw over again was warmth. And like you said, your living room is your comfortable place. On my drive up to do this podcast, I was thinking about like going to kindergarten and how you have to leave your home and they try to make you really comfortable and still bring in nap times and things like that. It's a lot like going into the workplace now. Like we're trying to design it to get you to have comfortability coming from your home and bring in those like homey like elements. Um, but then when you're doing work, it's still very like plain and neutral when you're doing your workspace. So I think it's like higher contrast. Like the residential spaces are very curated and very homey. And then your workspace is like clean and free of distractions. Instead of being boxy module furniture in bright poppy colors, that is maybe not the right solution as much anymore. All of this is so driven, though, I think, and tied to behavioral psychology and mental health, because for your workspace to be so simplified, it really decreases stimulation, which we are all overstimulated right now. And I think how many people are like, I just need a break. I'm going to go scroll through Instagram or I'm going to go watch TikTok. You are overstimulating yourself to max capacity. What we need is desensitization and we need to actually take away stimulation. So whether that's, you know, putting in earplugs or closing your eyes and listening to a meditation and taking down our level of stimulation, we're just so used to adding on, adding on, adding on, adding on. So it's brilliant that the workspaces now are just so clean and 
calm. And then I love obviously the residential, you know, how we talked about transitioning back into the workplace and having that immersion therapy. It's a cognitive behavioral practice where when you are trying to get yourself to do something, when you're trying to challenge your comfort, you dip your toe in first. It's like jumping into a pool that's freezing cold, you know, and you dip your toe in first and then it's your leg and then it's, you know, et cetera. But you really work your way back into it. I also think it's so cool, Catherine, that you've never known what a workspace is supposed to look like. Mark and I challenge this everyone says oh when are we going to go back to normal when are we going to go back to normal who wants to go back and also to normal I'm I don't like anything about going back or being normal so it's interesting that you have no preconceived conception and that Abby you challenge every normal I think that's just awesome because then you're not saying obviously some somewhere prescribed in the good old days were beige cubicles I came from worlds of them in pharmaceuticals someone one time said this is what an office should look like it should have a ton of beige cubicles you know but now that you guys don't have either you don't know what it looks like or you don't care what it's supposed to look like and you're willing to challenge that this I think is brilliant I would hire both of you for my office any day Uh (laughs) (laughs) on the beige cubicles I mean they were very plain and they were very tall walls and there was no personalization it was very simple so some of that you can take wisdom from and it's not wrong we stirred so far on the other side of the pendulum of it's all open you can see everything so much color trying to get people pepped and excited it's like okay that was cool but now we're overwhelmed as a baseline so we're kind of taking it back down but a much comfortable more friendly beige cubicle yeah that's so interesting So that was another trend that I actually wanted to bring up that I saw in a lot of different showrooms was it, there was a lot of zones when they were showing like, this is what your office could look like. It was broken up into, there were the workspaces, the desking systems and everything, but there were also collaborative zones and there were heads down zones and, um, you know, meeting spaces that really just had like almost like a tent over you. It wasn't even like a closed office space. So you still had that feeling of that you were inside of a room, but you were actually out in the open. And I think that's something that's really important moving forward when it, especially in office areas, I think it's the flexibility of where you want to sit. So kind of like a co-working um, space, but for your particular office. Um, I know I'm someone who's very much like if I get over, I get overwhelmed sitting at my desk. So I have to go sit in the cafe on a plushy booth so I can like actually be productive and heads down. Or I go take 10 minutes in our respite room and I just have a moment to myself. And I think that is something that really needs to be implemented in a lot of future offices, that flexibility of space. No, you don't have to sit at this office all day. You can go sit in the cafe. You can go sit in the cafe with your friend. You can go sit in the respite room. Or you can go sit in our co-creation room, which is kind of like our living room. Like, just having that flexibility. It's not for the flash. It's for health. And improves your productivity and everything else. I think it's so essential. Well, I'm curious, you know, Abby, from your perspective. So you've been in the industry just a little bit longer. What did you learn at Neocon that you are going to take back to your clients who are trying to figure out, how do I bring my employees back? What should my workplace be look like going forward? You know, what, what advice would you give from something you may have learned at Neocon this year? so many great questions. Um, I think the depth of those solutions, just like you were describing, Catherine, there we've been hearing about providing multi-zones and flexibility and where you sit. But now that we have all had a chance to work anywhere and everywhere, like really honing in on like what is the meaning of each of those zones. And I think that every showroom did a really great job of providing 
many different scenarios of how it could work and I took pictures of everything just to see the settings and I thought it was neat too like as a shift forward Neocon used a lot of QR codes and they had virtual showrooms or all of the links ready to go so you could basically download a brochure or go look at it post so that you could be in the moment while you're there and get the products after if you wanted to use that exact setting and that was really helpful for me to just kind of not spend the whole time taking pictures but like try to absorb how you feel so I'm going to take that back as far as whether it's um, workplace design or multifamily like really creating those zones and why and how to make it work it's just it's it's a step beyond the space planning and it's a step beyond creating a cool cafe because it's not just about an amenity it's making what we thought were amenities seven years ago like requirements well I think that um, speaks directly to the Gen Z part of you too, right? Because you're talking about values. There was a, um, there was a, I was kind of stalking your pictures and one of the neon signs, cause it seems like there was a neon sign everywhere and it said death to mediocrity. And that really resonated with me because I think what the pandemic has allowed us to do is to take this point in history and say, okay, now we can create value for space. We can make sure that each zone has a value to it. And it's assigned, it's known, it's directed. And it's what we've been saying is it's been directed by the company, you know, what the company's values are, to making sure that spaces align with our company's values. And so I'm curious, Catherine, you talked about a little bit of your values, um, you know, when it comes to flexibility. But we know that your cohort is just increasing what they want the values to do for them, what they want the values to do in their spaces. Um, you know, with many people who are still facing that workplace burnout, what did you see in terms of, you know, values within space that would create a connection to bring people back together? Values, especially when it comes to Gen Z, you know, we've, like I talked about earlier in the podcast, I talked about this value of being aware, the value of thinking about, like, yes, the past is the past, but it's still something that molded us to where we are now. And I definitely think that it's the past is something that we learn from. It doesn't just go away. So I think, you know, I saw a lot of patterns that were advertised of, oh, this is from 1950. This is from 1960. We're bringing it out of the vault because it's back in style. Um, I think just being able to remember how we got where we are today and looking at the design of things that were in the 1950s and bringing them back today and then learning from those. Um, I think that's really important. I know we were talking about the cubicle earlier. I mean, that was something that was designed in 1950s, 1960s and as the standard. And now So I think talking about reminiscing and nostalgic and bringing things back from the past, I think that's a way for us to come together, especially being like culturally aware of everything that's happening today and some of those like patterns and colors and everything that we're bringing into um, the design world. I think over quarantine and COVID, there were a lot of really hard and tough things that were happening in our world and I think that has also kind of given us this chance to like step back and kind of like reevaluate the way we react to things um so I think 
especially our generation, Abby, Gen Z, we're very cognizant about how people feel and how we are reacting to things that they are saying. And I think that can definitely be something that is brought out in design as long as we're telling the story of why we're doing this and why we're using these patterns and who these patterns are coming from and how they were created. Just as long as we're being transparent about it, um, I think is definitely something that could be seen more in design and bring us together as a community, as a country, as a world, um, just through making sure that we are sharing each other's stories correctly. Oh, I love that. There was a lot, I would say, like celebrating where the design is coming yeah. from. I wrote this in the notes yesterday. It's not like designers would just go and look and, oh, this is like a cool skyscraper, and I extrapolate it and make a texture, which is cool and it's awesome, but sometimes even I get like way burnt out on just like designing to be designing. But I think there was a few things. I think you saw a lot more in-depth products than I did. I did like a high overview as much as I could, but the stories are more impactful and I know at least it's important to me and I know it's a huge Gen Z thing too is what is the story the authenticity authenticity of it and why it matters and I think this can also relate to so another trend that I actually saw was there was a lot of overlapping area rugs a lot of over like they would just like stack them almost under couches and I almost think that's like can represent because they were all different patterns and they were all different colors. And I think that's almost representing like, and this might be going a little too far in my mind, but representing these different cultures, different heritage, different pasts coming together and overlapping just in someone's living room and being able to tell the stories of those different rugs coming together. um, I think that is almost like where the future's kind of going when it comes to design. It makes me think of two things. Um, one, emotional plurality, where you are um, experiencing two different emotions at the exact same time. And so when you're talking about having spaces that reference the past, but then also hearken to something new in the future, there's that plurality there. And then the area rugs where you've got the overlapping, um, where you've got the overlapping uh, textures that come together. Um, you know, that also makes me think of plurality too. But there's also right now a trend about digital twins where you're creating both the physical and then the digital um, side of it. So there's this duality that's coming out of all of what I'm hearing you guys speak about and how we're referencing the past, future, now, and then going forward too. Well, and how they can literally all belong together in the same space I think is so interesting because, again, not to only exclusively pick on scrolling through Instagram or no different than if you read, I don't know, where anything that you're reading a lot of content at once your emotions whether or not you are in that moment present enough to realize how much they're ping-ponging around you can read a meme that is the funniest thing on the planet and you're just like dying laughing inside and literally within a nanosecond you now have read this horrible thing about how the wildfires are taking over again you know or and then now all of a sudden you see this photo of someone's marriage and you're like man I'm not married yet you know and then then you go and see something more inspiring and your emotions talk about emotional plurality but also overstimulation it's this like melding of the two but I do love that idea that from an emotional plurality perspective I think people are coming around to this place with mental health where you can be happy and healing at the same time it's not a destination right where all of a sudden you're like well right now I'm healing 
in a couple of days, I'm hoping to be happy. You know, it's you can be both and all at once. And that's what it is to be a human, right? Because you, it's so unfair. And I think it's such an antiquated way of thinking that if you are going through a time of grief, right, that you can't also be silly. It, it, they can all live together and that's okay. And it can be different from one moment to the next. I think we challenge that a little bit much with overstimulation of things like social media where we're just too many emotions at once but I think it's very natural and I think it's cool that space can reflect that that evolution can't sweep it under the rug anymore (laughs) (laughs) had to add that in there clever that was really clever I'm very impressed two of them now um so Catherine there was something else that was really special about your trip to Neocon um you were selected uh, to be on a panel of speakers to talk about something really interesting, something we've been talking about a lot during this podcast. So can you tell us what uh, that process was and and what you were able to share at Neocon? Yeah. um, So I was on a talk with two other um, people and we were in the sustainability tract and we were talking about the, the talk was called scrap culture and it was about Gen Z, um, really honing in on using waste and trash to create new and create new products, create new building materials, create really just how we can reuse these products and um, to keep them out of the landfills and everything. And so I was selected because my sophomore year, when I was in design school at Ohio State, um, I won a competition that was partnered with Mohawk Group. Um, and we had to create a trend. Um, and so, and then create a carpet design based on that trend. So my trend, um, so during, this was 2019. So this was the refugee crisis going on. Climate change was just like really, really in the news. So I actually focused my trend on climate refugees and what that was going to look like in the future and how that was going to progress like as we were getting along in life. And so I designed this carpet. I had two collections. One was a land based and one was an ocean based. So I used, you know, a lot of like earth tones like grays and tans and browns in my land collection and then greens and blues and really nice watercolors in my ocean collection and presented them kind of separately but then also presented them as if they could be woven together so these were carpet tiles and the reason that I selected carpet tiles is because um my so back up my sustainable part of my carpet had to be sustainable so what material am I reusing what How am I going to be sustainable in my carpet? So I actually took life jackets that had just been left abandoned after these people went on their journeys, whether they were crossing land, ocean, rivers, anything. A lot of waste is actually produced from these life jackets because they're not really reusable um, after long journeys like this. So I actually proposed to melt down. Life jackets are made of nylon. So melt down the nylon and extrude it into a nylon fiber to then weave the carpet pattern on top and then also use that nylon to create a carpet backing for the carpet tiles and then use the foam insides to create that carpet cushion 
so you can really like create a carpet tile literally just from a life jacket. Um, and then all of my carpet tiles were 24 inches by 24 inches because that is the size of an average life jacket. So it's really about focusing on each carpet tile represented somebody who made that journey or somebody who tried to make that journey. So we're remembering those who also tried but didn't succeed. And the pattern on it was all lines. It was based on migration trends, where these people were going, where there was a lot of climate or a lot of like bad storms happening and everything. So weaving these lines is weaving the paths of all of these people on this trip. And then there were lines that were also basically almost the same color as the carpet. So they weren't really noticeable. And those lines represented people who didn't end up making the journey, but they're still remembered in this carpet. So I actually was able to present this in the sustainability tract with my professor, who was my professor at Ohio State, and then um, a woman from Mohawk Group. And I was also the Gen Z voice of this talk, so I was able to kind of weigh in um, how my generation is feeling about, you know, scrap culture and using materials to create new materials and using waste and everything. So it was it was really it was really awesome. It was definitely like a once in a lifetime type of thing and I am very grateful for it. Um but I I really do hope that I can continue to like kind of be that voice for Gen Z um in this area and yeah. Well, no wonder sustainability was such a passion for you. You were yeah. looking for it because it was just so much on the forefront of your brain. Mm-hmm. And this is why stories matter. I mean, yeah. this is really, you know, when we talk about using stories to elevate our practice and our community, that's that's the literal definition right there. So with that, I think it's time for our last question. So my favorite thing to do is always talk about, you know, signals and drivers. So these are the, the world forces that are causing change that are going to affect us in the next three to five to ten years. And so I'm just curious from both of your perspectives, are there any signals and drivers of change that you've seen as it relates to design that you think um, it will affect space, behaviors, how we work, or even just conventions like this where people can come and interact going forward in the next five to 10 years? I think thinking about Neocon as a show and the Mart and on a normal year, the hundreds of thousands of people that go in and out and in and out of that building. Um, I think that will definitely change. Um, It's already kind of started to change with a lot of big furniture names moving out of that building and getting their own showroom. Um, I think COVID has definitely changed that. Um, And I think that is something that will continue to be implemented that there's probably not going to be a lot of people wanting, I don't want to say wanting to go to these shows, but wanting to go to these shows because of the amount of people there. And I think people are going to become a lot more cognizant of the amount of people around them and um, just being able to also see, like for me, going to Neocon and there not being, for my first time and there not being a lot of people, I was actually able to see the product and like sit there and really take it in. And I've definitely visited these other showrooms too. And it was, I think a lot more eye-opening and I was able to get more out of going out of the Mart to these other showrooms because it was really just about this company 
I don't know, Abby, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's really interesting because I've gone several times and it's been very busy and it's my focus at that time, especially as a student, was networking, meeting people and like just kind of glossing at the cool stuff versus you getting to like really absorb it. And I felt like I got to really absorb the product too. Also, uh, over the last year, like consuming the information, like you'd wait all year just to see everything. Well, now companies are redoing their websites and giving product to you digitally and better because they had to learn how to do that. So that doesn't necessarily eliminate the need, but it kind of changes it. A lot of information was available, like I said, through QR codes or to access later, and they were really able to narrow the focus of what they were showing. They were like smaller in a way, it felt like, the footprint or the focus. And I did for the first time go and visit um, Noel and a couple other people that were outside of the Mart for the first time, and that was new because last time I was there they were in the Mart. Um, and just hearing them talk about why they made, made that decision. So it's And Neocon is happening again in June, so I'm really curious. I think this conversation is better had after Neocon again because it's close together. It's not a whole year, and some companies didn't attend this year. So, like, what's going to happen in June? Are they going to try? How is that? I don't know. It'll be interesting to watch. I mean, you talk about um, digital consumption. You know, maybe Neocon becomes completely digital, and that would be something that would be very different for our industry. Well, thank you guys for sharing your insights today. We're really excited to be able to hear about these trends and just get your overall experience. Um, So thank you, Catherine and Abby, for sharing your innovative insights. These are the innovations that can help our listeners find inspiration in their own lives to be thinking about what's coming next and to create change. We hope to hear more about these innovations in the days, weeks, and months to come. If you'd like to learn more about us, visit our website at ma-architects.com. And if you want to continue the conversation, feel free to reach out to me directly at markb at ma-architects.com. If you liked what you heard today, please make sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can be the first to hear what is coming in terms of innovation and trends from three to five years ahead. Once again, I'm one of your hosts for Make It Innovative, Mark Bryan. And as I've made a strong case for Instagram, we will have their beautiful images <laughs> on our Instagram from their trip to Neocon. That will actually be soothing pictures to fill up your feed. So you, that will be a nice treat for your brain. Definitely check us out. We will have some more information online so you can see some of the visuals that we were talking about in today's conversation. And I am Sam Moeller. I hope you can find the change you want to be to allow innovation to thrive in the way you live. Abby and Catherine, thank you so much for joining us today. You are both giving me a lot of hope for what is to come. Thank you. Thank you.